let's just talk about it. Hey everyone, my name is Aisley. And my name is Diana. And this is Comfort Zone. And welcome to our first episode of Table Talk. So, the election is next week, but not that many teens have a platform to voice their opinions. Yeah, so some questions may arise like, is mail-in balloting really safe? Should the voting age be lowered? Why do people choose to identify with different political parties? Let's talk about it. To help us this episode, we brought in some special guests. Uh, My name is Chloe, and I am a registered Democrat. I'm Henry, and I'm a registered Republican. The thing that makes Chloe and Henry such special guests is they're actually twins and they have very different political views, which makes them really interesting people to talk about this subject, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay, so to start off with something simple, what made you guys support your political party? Um, so um, I'm Henry. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I'm a registered Republican. And the reasons I supported uh, the Republican Party primarily were... I, I just, I kind of identified with a lot of the ideology, and I know that my political opinions will always be changing, but for the most part, it's just, it was just an identification of ideology, specifically in conservative values. Um, yeah, kind of the same reason that Henry chose his party. Uh, I chose the Democratic Party because I believe they focus more on kind of humanitarian issues. Um, not that I do not think that economic issues are not important. However, I think the Republican Party often has them above other issues like uh, things like welfare or the environment, and I support prioritizing those more over some aspects of the economy. Okay. Uh, People have been taking the safer route for voting by mailing their ballots. What are your thoughts on mailing in ballots, and does it bring fraud? Uh, Statistically, I actually was researching it. Even though I'm not at the age where I can vote, uh, my parents are voting and my mother asked me, you know, what I thought about it probably a couple months ago. So looking into it, statistically, mail-in voting actually has a low level of fraud, even in the 2020 election where there have been some instances of issues with mail-in ballots, such as the California GOP placing false ballot boxes uh, around neighborhoods, even that didn't have a serious effect on mail-in ballots and their legitimacy. So I think they are a legit way to go. However, at the moment, we are only a couple days away from the election. So I would not suggest, you know, mailing in ballots because they may not arrive on time. At this point in time, it might be best to go to a ballot box. But in general, the practice is safe. I would more or less agree. While mail-in voting is more um, obviously, it's more susceptible to corruption than, than just regular, just in-person voting. Um, as Chloe said, there is no statistic. There is no um, statistical um, th- that isn't negligible. So there isn't a statistical increase in fraud, which isn't negligible by pro- by a statistical standard, by general statistical standard. Um, I do not have the statistic in front of me, but if you do look up mail-in ballots in general, as Henry said. Statistically, they are not suspect level to of, fraud. Yeah, it's 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 increased, but it's so slight. I'd say it's statistically negligible. Okay, um, going on to our next question, a little bit more background to the question. Some cities, um, like Oakland, California, and Tacoma Park, Maryland, are some of the few cities in the country to allow teens to vote. 
The Youth Vote gives 16 and 17 year olds the right to vote in school board elections. Um, do you think 16 year olds and above should be allowed to vote despite their lack of knowledge of what's on the ballot, such as bond issues, property, and increased tax? Um, primarily speaking, 16 and 21 year olds generally have the same level of political knowledge according to most statistics. So I'd say that rejecting the right to vote for 16, seven year olds based on knowledge is, is, is um, f fundamentally incorrect. However, I don't believe that a child, a 16 year old, should be able to vote in larger issues such as taxes, seeing as 16 year olds don't pay taxes. But on more local level, on the more local level, voting on things that actually affect them, maybe in local government or voting for um, like stuff has to do with education or like high school administration. I think that that would be fair. Mm -hmm. um, I disagree a little bit with Henry in regards to younger youth voting. Um, as he stated, the difference in political knowledge between 16 and 17 year olds and 18 year olds who are allowed to vote is almost non-existent. I think if you're saying that 16, 17 year olds shouldn't be able to vote based on their knowledge and because of their age, I think that's an issue with civic education in school. So it's not really an issue with their age itself as it's only uh, one or two years. And I think they should be allowed to have a say in uh, the majority of elections beyond things like the school board, um, same as they would when they're 18. So yeah, going back to actually 16 year olds being able to vote, I think it would actually be a big bonus to allow limited voting, voting in some local government, because I think it would incentivize voting because if, for example, it's like, it's like driving, right? If a 16 year old, if all of their friends are voting, they'll also go and vote. So I think creating a culture of voting would because the youth demographic 18 to 21 is one of the lowest voting demographics in terms of like voter turnout. So if you start people a little younger when they're still in high school and they're still surrounded by a bunch of their peers and colleagues and you get a culture going where people want to vote, then then 16 year olds will be more incentivized to vote. And most studies show that once you voted one time, it becomes habitual. So you're more likely to vote in the future. In addition, if you're 16 and you can vote in limited elections, it might also incentivize you to get educated, maybe take a, um, maybe global politics like we have at our school, maybe take a class like that or another pol political class or constitutional law or something to learn more. So I think it might not only in increase voter turnout for younger people, but also increase education for that demographic. Okay. Yeah, those were both really good points. Okay, so in regards to COVID and the specific candidates running for president, um, Biden has said that he wants to continue lock lockdowns and have a national mask mandate, whereas Trump wants to safely open the economy along with extra precautions. So which candidate would succeed the most given the COVID-19 breakout? What do you guys think? Um, in regards to COVID, while I think President Trump did not do a very good job in addressing COVID in its infancy when it first entered the United States, I don't think that uh, former Vice President Biden is proposing much that hasn't already been stated by the CDC. Um, I support uh, former Vice President Biden in other regards. However, in regards to COVID, um, I think the mask mandate would be fantastic, but it's not something that's not already proposed by other government organizations in health. The only person who has not really 
endorsed masks, at least in its actions, is President Trump. Fair enough. So I personally, I personally agree with a mask mandate. I think masks are very important, um, as cited by Vice Pre- um, former Vice President Biden and other political sources. We could cut the COVID infection rate in half with masks. So it's it's important. However, I don't think that comparing Trump, um, President Trump's um, response to COVID nineteen and pre- Vice former Vice President Biden's um, proposed response to COVID nineteen is very fair. Considering I don't see a big difference between the two. I mean, President um, Vice President Biden in his speech and during the debate was like was saying um, we need to implement masks, we need to shut down businesses, and that's kind of already what's in effect. So I don't see a very large difference at this point between what Biden is proposing and what's already happening in most states. I think the only difference would be uh, that former Vice President Biden actually wears the mask as well as stating that people should, whereas President Trump uh, only wears the mask on occasion and has been very flippant about COVID-19 as as a disease and as a serious threat to the nation. So I think it's it's a it's not a difference in policy. It's a difference in how they show that policy to the American people Agreed. in their own personal actions. Agreed. Um, finally, I just want to add, um, President Vice, former Vice President Biden says um, states many times that he would have reacted differently to COVID nineteen, um, and that's kind of like how he's running in terms of COVID nineteen. However, I don't think that that is. Um, how do I say this? I don't think that that is accurate. I don't think that he would have react. His reaction would have been any better, considering that when COVID nineteen was first breaking out overseas, he he vehemently opposed the travel bans on China that um, that President Trump proposed. And when he and when he was reacting to swine flu during his vice presidency, swine flu was an outbreak, and if it had the same casualty casualty rate as COVID nineteen, would have killed far far more people in its first year. To that point, I disagree and i know this is veering off from your original question however in regards to uh biden's response to swine flu uh he was vice president at that time not president and i think he has learned from that uh experience where he would know more now as well he did not vehemently oppose uh closing the borders to china he did make a comment about uh fear about xenophobia. However, he later stated that that wasn't in response to closing the border to China. It was instead in response to Trump's actions as a whole. Just following up on what Chloe said, um, by the way, these are not, this is a civil discourse and this is not supposed to be inflammatory either way. So um, Chloe mentioned that he was not president at the time he was vice president. And while that is true, but um, former Vice President Biden was in charge of the uh, was in charge of the Swine Flu Task Force and had sole authority on main decisions. If you actually look back to the history in two thousand um, during during his vice presidency, he was in charge of the task force and therefore was in charge of the reaction. And again, as previously stated, if swine flu had the kind of lethality, the um, the percentage of lethality that cur- that COVID nineteen has currently far more people would have died because there was a much larger infection and infection rate. I personally do not believe in arguing in hypotheticals as well uh, that you are speaking in hypotheticals in regards to what Biden could have, would have, or should have done if he was president in response to COVID. Um, As previously stated, I think he would have learned from any past experiences he had in regards to swine flu and uh, would have listened more to scientists and let the American people know more about what was occurring. Uh, 
furthermore, I simply think Joe Biden is he's not a perfect politician. And I don't think that's what he's trying to argue. He's trying to argue that he is the experience, um, both good and bad, that would allow him to be a good leader in regards to COVID and otherwise. That's a fair viewpoint. I think that's the primarily difference between the two of us in in discussing Joe Biden and his opinions on coronavirus and his proposed plan is that I like to view um, decide on the empirical record and say this is how he dealt with it in the past. So I assume he will deal in a similar manner in the future. While Chloe likes, um, well, Chloe likes to believe that he would learn from his mistakes and deal differently based on his previous um, experience. I prefer to look at the imperial empirical record. I don't think the empirical record serves here, seeing as it is a completely different uh, situation and that this is a global pandemic and there was more knowledge in the beginning of the outbreak than there was in regards to swine flu. And you're entitled to that opinion. Yeah. Okay. How do you guys think that the media and social media in particular affects popular political like standpoints? Because at our school, we see a lot uh, more like liberal or like left leaning students. Henry, maybe this question goes more so to you. How do you think the people with different opinions may take in that that like information? You know, like if everyone is uh, saying, oh, we, we only support the left. How would you feel? Do you know what I mean? So she's basically asking, uh, how do you feel about the media basically being biased of a certain political party? Yeah, maybe like in social media, how might fake news be apparent and how can we like fact check it? You know? mm-hmm. Okay, so on the first bit, how do I find information? I have a little system that I kind of invented where I find two sources, one that leans conservative and one's, one that leans liberal. Um, no source is truly unbiased, so you know you can they're pretty easy to find. Um, so let's say, as a very rough example, let's say Washington Post and Fox News is a very crude example. And they both wrote articles on the same thing. Um, then I kind of read both articles and I make a little flow chart, not a flow chart, a uh, Venn diagram of sorts, and I put everything they disagree with and then everything that they agree on. And if two super biased sources that lean in opposite directions can agree on something, then that thing is generally true. Because if not, why would they agree? And then I kind of try to throw out all the information they disagree on. And I just keep doing that until I get enough information to piece together the story myself. Enough information that I can, with a modicum of certainty, verify is true. Um, on to how do I express my opinions? I mean, this does sound very cheesy. I try to do it as respectfully as possible. At this school specifically, it's incredibly difficult considering our geographical location, but generally and the political leanings of the majority of students at our school. But I, I try to just be respectful and have civil discourses and, you know, just do my best on that account. I think going off what Henry said, uh, seeing as I am a Democrat, I don't typically have to censor the opinions that come out of my mouth in regards to the majority of issues because the majority of our school, the majority of our area, and the majority of our state uh, leans very democratic and such, and as such has those values. Um, however, I have observed um, through like social media and personal conversations, I will refrain from saying what issue this was on. However, uh, I've seen the way that like my fellow peers can be quite vicious in their opinions towards things that don't really agree with them which i think is an issue that needs to be more fully addressed in our school through discourse um there are a variety of clubs that i think could 
you know, provide that. There's there's a super democratic leaning club, the Youth Democratic Socialists of America. There's a Republican club, Turning Point. Uh, there's a club called SAUCE that gives civic education. Um, that's like on a more non-biased level. And I think you can you can go to those to express your own personal opinions but i also think it's important to try and listen to um the other side try and as henry said do your own research that's unbiased and try and listen to people that don't have your opinions because to be super hateful against other people's opinions can result in them not saying them at all um which is quite damaging to them and it's quite damaging for your own worldview mm-hmm. I guess adding on to what you said, Chloe, um, do you think that the media is more biased on a certain political side? Um, as what you said, the California is more democratic based. Um, is it more biased towards one side than the other? Yes, I think it is. Uh, yes, overall media, um, which is why I think less. that our a lot of our school leans particularly left. Because uh, the majority of media, source, media sources do lean left. I see it um, whenever I'm trying to do my own research. I will go to Fox News, which the majority of the time is notably Republican, and they will have a completely different story um, than you know what the majority of other news sources cite. And I think that's because they try and show a different point of view, which isn't shown generally. I think if you want to try and get unbiased news sources, uh, the Associated Press gives a pretty unbiased news, um, and there are very few others. However, you you have to kind of search those out because the majority of news sources do lean left. So, um, just piggybacking on what Chloe said, and I know I've been saying piggybacking a lot. It's just you know it's a nice transition. Um, so piggybacking on what Chloe was saying earlier, um, so about media sources leaning left, I would a hundred percent agree, especially as somebody who is a conservative and took a very long time to like kind of quantify my opinions um kind of quantify my opinions because there was nobody that i could really like look to to like kind of help me out like media wise um and i think especially just to put this in perspective for listeners or for the question actors whoever think about all like the main media sources like your seven o'clock news right you have nbc cnn abc and fox right three of the four lean left then you go to newspapers and you go HuffPo, Washington Post, um, New York Times, all lean left. So I would suggest if there are any like people looking for conservative news, you have to find smaller, smaller newses. I would suggest, um, I mean, Louder with Crowder is more of a, it's, he's more of a comedian than a news site, but he gives some pretty good stuff. Um, the Burn is pretty good. If, if you can look, if you can find that there, are, you have to find smaller sites. And because it's very, very difficult to find truly unbiased news, which means you have to kind of figure it out on your own. And it's very, very difficult to find large scale conservative news, which means you have to find it on your own. So it's 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 a little more difficult, but, you know, it's it's there. It's there if you can find it. Let me clarify, however, just because a news source does lean left or right does not mean that its facts are not credible. It just means that their language is more biased towards one side or the other. You see this particularly in articles regarding President Trump um, and, you know, his advisors advisors and the like. You see more inflammatory language uh, regarding 
him. However, that does not mean that the facts of these pieces are not true, because a majority of the sources that we named do generally have credible yeah, generally uh, work off the same facts and just kind of spin them different ways. Okay. Um, since we're on the topic of news, I guess we could uh, segue into our agree to disagree segment. We're just going to state a statement, and then you guys could either disagree or agree with it, and then add on to that. So the first statement is, the other side circulates more fake news. Strongly agree. (laughs) And the reason I say strongly agree is just because, you know, there are more liberal-leaning and left-leaning news sources, and therefore there's going to be a higher volume of fallacies or incorrect news. Um, I, I don't think that that's, I don't think he, it might not be proportionally more, but it's definitely more in volume. I couldn't tell you the proportion because I simply like, I don't know the statistic and I don't want to make something up. So I couldn't tell you statistically, but definitely volume wise, I'd say strongly agree. To clarify, these are opinions. These are not facts. These are not news. However, I do not, I, I disagree. Um, I think that as I stated before, the majority of news sources do have credible facts, um, like statistics and facts themselves. However, some organizations, as I said, use inflammatory language uh, that may give a different idea than what is actually happening. However, I don't think that's fake news. I simply think that is a different interpretation of facts. You, You can't have fake the majority of the time, most sources don't have fake facts. They just interpret them in different ways. Well, she said fake news, not fake facts. Yeah, I know, to but clarify I'm, the question. I'm, I'm clarifying that I, I, I disagree. The next statement would be, political action matters more than the candidate's personality. Yes, 100%. 100% agree. This is a big thing that I've been, uh, that I've been preaching. For example, I don't like any politicians, generally speaking. Um, and especially when you look at um, President Trump, I do not like him on a personal level. Like if we, like, I would not go out and get a coffee with him. Like he is not a person that I like, but that doesn't mean I can't support some of the things he does. Not everything, mind you. Again, I don't agree with most of his political actions, but some of them I can agree with, even though I don't like him. And I think that he's a little, um, what's, what's a nice word for it? Um, abrasive. There we go. Um, I, I know this is kind of a not answer, but I think it depends. Um, if the person say cheats on their wife or, you know, doesn't like dogs, I think their political actions speak more, um, than what their personality is. However, in regards to President Trump, I think his, his demeanor, uh, does have an effect in how I view him more so than a lot of his political actions because his demeanor itself, uh, it aggravates people and it has, in my opinion, led to a rise in more hateful actions towards uh, a variety of minority groups um, than his actual legal actions have. However, I do think some of his political actions have been good. The peace that the peace deals that he's negotiated between Israel and uh Places like Sudan have been an, an enormous success, and uh, I wouldn't let my personal opinion of him negate me recognizing that. However, I do think his personality uh, should be taken into account when recognizing him because of the effect it has on the general demeanor of our 
country and the opinions voiced. All right, and the last statement is, I can understand why someone would vote for the other candidate. Um, once again, agree. I think I've agreed with all of these. I 100% agree with um, voting. Well, first of all, the other just because you're a Republican doesn't mean you have to vote for Donald Trump and vice versa. So just because I'm a Republican doesn't mean that Trump is my candidate. Just like just like Chloe, just because Chloe's a Democrat doesn't mean Biden is her candidate. Biden, I believe, is her candidate. But I mean, that's not. That's just giving an example. However, assuming that my candidate is Trump because I'm a Republican, he I can, quoted that to clarify. Yeah, I, I you can't air quotes. He quoted in. that. Yeah, I put air quotes. Sorry. <laughs> Um, but assuming that my my um, person is Trump, that my then yes, I can understand why somebody would vote for Biden, just on the grounds of him being more personally likable, because yeah, even if you disagree with almost everything he does, he seems to be more personal, personable and likable, and he has a great deal of experience. Now, whether you believe that experience has been effective or not is your decision to make, but experience is experience, and in many cases that wins votes. So I can 100, there is ample reason to vote for Joe Biden, even if you don't like him. Like Henry, I do firmly actually agree with this one. Um, because just because you vote for a candidate does not mean that you agree with every single one of their policies, which is why I think it's wrong if you're a super uh, liberal Democrat to look at someone who, say, voted for Trump and be like, you're a racist, you're you're xenophobic because you don't know actually why that chose why they chose that candidate. So I can completely understand in regards to not just Trump Biden, but in regards to various other elections, why someone would vote for the other side. And I think that's an important quality that um, youth who are learning about politics should keep in mind. Because as I said before, it doesn't do anyone good to have unnecessary hate on the other side because then you don't get to hear. Uh, the full range of opinions regarding the issue, which I think is very, very, very important. Okay. I think this will wrap up our episode. So thank you guys so much for being guests of this um, of this podcast. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you for having us. So thank you guys for tuning in to our very first Table Talk series. Uh, we are going to upload Table Talk episodes every month, once a month. Follow our social media for more updates, and we upload new episodes every Monday. And that's it. Bye. Bye, guys.